0: Living in the moment and the moment is, the the the
1: is Sped Welcome to Spread Talk with Pam and John. Also known as the Calm.
0: Before the storm.
1: Our purpose is to elevate the conversation and amplify special education resources.
0: And our why is about making the impossible possible. <laughs>
1: So let's introduce ourselves. So I'm Pam Humphrey. I'm part of the SPED Talk team. I met you when I was out at Lake Dallas with the uh, group from Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. And, we, and we saw your cl- your co-teaching classes. So introduce yourselves.
2: Um, I'm Elizabeth Chapman. I'm the SPED teacher in this partnership um, at Lake Dallas Middle School. We
3: teach sixth grade math. And I'm Allie Fletcher. I'm the gen ed part of this Co-teach
1: and sixth grade math. Okay, so I, I should have started off that we're today's episode is about co-teaching, and mm-hmm. and so let me give you some little background. Is that I think it, maybe a year ago, two years ago, I did a program review for Lake Dallas, wow. and your principal was so excited by co-teaching, and he said, you know, I would I would extend co-teaching throughout my whole campus if I could. And, uh, but he was like, and so I asked him, I said, well, what made you go to co-teaching? And he said, well, I just started looking at our scores of our students receiving special education and just thought, man, we could be doing better. And so it was his commitment to the change.
3: Yeah. So co-teaching, we teach together in one classroom. So our desks are in the same classroom. We just have one with all of our kids. And We teach math together, so that's literally like the base of what it is for teaching together. Um, We're able to give access to instruction for all types of learners, so we have special education students and general education students together in one classroom.
1: So do you separate the kids out or just, just teach whoever needs or support whoever needs supporting?
2: So we've kept everybody in the same room all year long to this point. To differentiate, there will times where we have small group because we have a smoker table in the room and we have enough space to accommodate that. So, and that's not just based on, you know, who is a special education student and who's Gen Ed student. That's based on who's struggling with a certain skill or who needs a little bit of reteach or um, spiraling down. And we just based off of that and go from there. We moving forward might be able to start pulling small groups a little bit a few times throughout the week into a separate room where we can get a little bit more intensive with our spiraling because you can only do so much in the the gen ed room with everybody there but as of right now everything we've done has been in these four walls and we are able to reach and access like you're saying all types of learners just all in the same room.
4: I want to emphasize the point that you made your students are separated by skill and not by SPED group, not by, you know, gen ed group. And so I think that's one thing that people tend to confuse when they think about inclusion, when they think about co-teaching, when they think about, you know, support facilitate, regardless of the model, they think, oh, well, SPED group is over here. Somebody's working with them, but then we've got the rest of the class and somebody else is working with them. And so I love that you emphasized or you said, and I want to emphasize that they are separated by skill not by label. And so I I just wanted to, uh, to uh, bring that up. Sorry, Pam, I didn't (laughs)
3: know. And just to add on to that, typically how we do make our small groups is we'll do like a little formative assessment. It could be as easy as solve this problem on this sticky note. We collect it. If you didn't get it right, we'll put you in a small group because you need to go through it again. And if you're good to go, you can move on to the next skill. So that's typically how we make our groups. It's, Never by label. It's just, can you do the skill or not?
1: So, what do you, what do your students think about having two teachers in the classroom?
2: As far as they know, <laughs> it's just lucky them, you know. So, <laughs> they don't really know a difference between us and what our qualifications are or our, I guess, credits, I guess I would say. Um, we both get up in front of them, take turns teaching about different things, giving them instructions circulating, making sure they're on tasks, disciplining, like all the teacher things we, we share. So they, as far as they know, they're just like, wow, I have two math teachers. This is great.
1: <laughs> so what do you uh, think are the benefits of co-teaching?
2: One of the
3: greatest benefits for me is just seeing the confidence that these kids can build throughout the year. So kids that come to us that say that they're not good at math, they've never been good at math, they hate math. Uh, we can see them grow and they are doing things that they thought they could never do. And probably what people in the past have said, hey, you're you're just, you probably can't get this, but that is just not acceptable in our classroom. Like every kid is capable of doing everything that we want them to do. That's my biggest benefit is just seeing the confidence that these kids. Yeah,
2: the the student growth has been huge mm-hmm. in this semester that we've already seen. So it's exciting to see how much more they can do in within this next semester on like the professional level. The huge benefits are that you're sharing all your tasks and you're sharing the responsibility of a classroom and you're able to collaborate and give perspective on issues that, you know, when wow. you're not a co-teacher, a lot of things you kind of have to figure out on your own. It's just you and 25 kids. So it's really nice to be in an opportunity or be in a position where you have a partner to collaborate on every issue with and and get perspective that you maybe wouldn't have had on your own it really helps drive our our student success as well cuz when we're able to work together and get the best ideas moving then it, like she was saying it helps the student growth and when those students are growing it just boosts their confidence as well so like she's saying they've they've been having a really good year of becoming better math students and becoming more confident math students and it's just been a really positive overall experience for everybody.
4: So when 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 you're looking at, I want to go back and touch on something that you just mentioned because you mentioned, of course, student confidence is growing. They're you know they're able to do things. The, the expectation is they're going to do everything. We're just going to provide that support. And you also mentioned having a partner to be able to discuss having that partnership of working together. What about planning? That partnership takes planning, and that partnership takes the ability to have some time to get together so that you can review what you're going to be doing in the classroom. Can you explain a little bit what that might look like or how do you, do you guys get time to plan? Is this done right. after hours? What what does that look like for you guys?
2: So the relationship part of it as well takes time you know you can't just jump into a co-teach and automatically be gelling perfectly so we you know met up at the beginning of the school year before the school year started and talked about what our priority priorities were in the classroom and our vision for the classroom and and luckily those things aligned but you know if they didn't we would have time to be able to have conversations about meeting in the middle and compromising and things. Um, And now that we're on the ground running in the school year, whenever we have conference periods, it's not, you know, it's not like we're two separate people doing two separate things. Like we're communicating the whole time about what's coming up and what the students are going to need and what, you know, how they're doing on what we're doing right now and how that's going to affect us in the next coming days. So all of our conference periods, we are also collaborating during those times as well. It's not like, you know, I'm going off to do my own thing and then she's in the room grading papers or anything like that. I mean, there's obviously times for us to do what we need to do, but we do collaborate regularly every day during conference. We are also lucky that we do have two off periods in our schedule. So
3: we have um, a lot more time than I think other schools that I've heard of to plan, Um, so we get a full 90 minutes that we are able to plan
1: during the school day. So that is super helpful as well. So what what does a typical day look like for you two?
3: So our schedule, we have blocked um, math for sixth grade. So the kids have 90 minutes of math every single day. So our first and second period are back to back. So the kids are in here with us for a full 90 minutes. And then our next block comes in for 45 minutes during third period. And then we have an off period where we can plan as well. It's joined with our lunch as well. So we have quite a bit of time, especially if you eat fast, you can have more time (laughs) to plan. And then the kids from third period, come back to us for fifth period. And then we have our next block, which is sixth period. They're there for 45 minutes. We have another planning period during seventh. So that's also our teaming time. So we get together with our grade level teams. And also we can talk about interventions for behavior and academics across all subjects. And then the kids from sixth period come back to us for eighth period for 45 minutes.
4: You don't see a fatigue or you don't see a, you know, I, I turn, I'm i done, I'm turned off. I don't wanna do any more. I guess, since you have them, there's a better cohesion instead of the separation of 45 minutes math versus the 45 minute math lab that has no connection whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I guess you're able to keep them better engaged and keep them on task. And that gives you the time that you need to to really look at data to separate by skill. Yeah, okay. I
2: think so. I mean, of course you have, a couple students in each block that are going to kind of try to give up sometimes but one of the really nice things about the two of us is that if one of us is helping manage you know the majority of the class then the other one can kind of go have more one-on-one um support for that student when they need it in that you know behavior crisis moment um so that's really nice is that we can kind of deal with fatigue as a case-by-case basis because there's enough hands on on deck to to treat it like that so but yeah like as you were saying about math lab being kind of disconnected from their learning every day it's really nice for us that even though they're they're with us for 45 and then they leave for 45 and they come back for 45 we're able to just like jump right back into what we were doing since it's you know same class same section and everything and that helps get them reengaged and um you know it doesn't feel like we're losing a lot of time to transition or anything like that yeah I think also to kind of fight that math
3: fatigue is just choosing activities that keep them engaged. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things that we do in here are very hands on. We use manipulatives all the time to model things. And so a lot of times they're like, "Oh wow, class is over. That was so fast. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even feel like I was doing math even mm-hmm. though like they were the whole time." So just choosing activities that keep sixth graders engaged. You have a very small attention span these days. Yeah.
4: <laughs> so <laughs> you also talked about the relationship between you the gelling you know sometimes it didn't all come together and and i get that because there are some personalities that don't that don't click what were some of the challenges what were some of the barriers other than you know the the personalities you two get along great obviously Mm -hmm. but what are some of the challenges that you guys experienced when you were trying to get this started to trying to make it work to trying to get it to to be effective like it sounds like you guys have it now
2: I think whenever it's new, it's really hard to know maybe some like what your lane is and how to not step on toes. But like the communication piece is so big in that, you know, all those growing pains, you really have to just be able to talk through them and, and kind of touch base every so often, like, is everything going okay? I think when it's super early on, you can talk as much as you want to before school starts, but until the class actually gets started and everything, it's kind of hard to know what you don't know, if that makes sense. So you know, what roles are going to come up that should be mine and what roles are going to come up that should be hers, kind of wading through that as they come up. And I think it's easy for probably the special education teacher to kind of take a back seat on a lot of things. Like, for example, we do a PBIS system where we do raffles every couple of weeks. And more this recent one that we just did you know I went on my profile and I made it but I didn't even realize how this whole last semester she was doing it every single time even though it's our classroom and and we should both be contributing to like this raffle thing that we're doing and that sounds like a small example but just stuff like that we shouldn't assume that oh well like she'll do it because you know she's always done it or like it's it's her classroom I'm just here as like the special education teacher you know we shouldn't assume anything like that everything should be you know, talked out. And even if you're, you are assuming something, just like saying like, hey, are you going to do this? Or should I do this? You know, assuming that someone else is going to pick up a task is never, is never going to be, yeah, never going to be good. So
3: one challenge for me, just my personality, I like having control over everything. So my biggest like professional, I guess, like overcoming is just letting go of some of that control because I don't have full control of everything in this classroom. We're working together, it's a partnership, it's not just mine. So over like the past three years that I have done this, I've just learned how to kind of like trust my partner and like know that they're gonna do like what needs to be done during the class period. So that's something that I've had to kind of work through just on my own, but having a great partner makes that super easy, so.
4: Relinquishing control and establishing trust. Yes, that is honestly
3: the biggest thing is just trusting that they're going to do their job and do it like to their best ability. That is a huge piece of making this go well.
1: So how many students do you do you all have? Just total amount. Mm-hmm.
3: Total about 70 or 75. Yeah, keep, we keep getting new kids, but I think it's around yeah, 70, 75. Our first block is a lot smaller than our other two. So in our first class, we only have like 15 kids, which okay. is kind of crazy. But the other two, I think we're up to like
1: 24. Yeah, 28 and then 24. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just, the reason I ask is that, you know, sometimes when I think about education and think about teaching is that it's probably one of the only professions where you can come out of college at 22, 23, even 21, depend, and you're in charge of 70 kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nobody else asks, there's no other profession where you get that, you know, oh, these are yours and you have to do it. And yeah. as you guys had mentioned earlier, you know that isolation of teaching, whereas co-teaching moves you out of that isolation into a partnership and a collaboration to give you, you know, the opportunity, you know, to get feedback from each other and to grow with each other as opposed yeah. to kind of growing along. Yeah, growing.
2: I I started off in elementary, so I was in a third grade classroom, you know, by myself, and that that isolation you're talking about, especially in your first and second year, is so real. Because there's so much stuff that you're trying to learn and figure out and handle on your own. And it's it's just a lot. So moving into a, a co-teaching position, I've seen how beneficial it is, like... How Mr. Caldwell was saying, you know, it would be nice if every teacher could have a co-teacher. Ideally, that would be great if there was two adults in every room. Obviously that's not the case, but in, in a core content like this, where in a in a content where so many kids are, oh, I hate math and I'm bad at math. I think it's so beneficial to have two teachers in there to combat that that mindset and and really show them like you can do this and you can be good at this. Like I promise. So yeah, that teacher isolation yeah. is so real.
1: Right, and I think I don't really think people really think about that because, like, you know, you're the adult in the room. But yes, there's other little bodies there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But those little bodies not understanding what you're going through as the adult.
2: Yeah, and they're relying on you. You you know, you have so much fatigue just from making all their decisions for them. Right. And all the decisions for you know what needs to happen. So, being able to share that responsibility is
1: is huge. And you also had mentioned earlier uh, about the academic growth. you all are seeing. Can you speak to that a little bit more?
2: Yeah, we, um, from the beginning of the year to the middle of the year, we have seen on our MAP scores, I'm not sure if you're familiar with MAP, but it's the assessment that we've been using to track the students' growth, and they actually started it back in elementary. So we've seen kids grow, you know, 30 points on that on that scale, which is huge. The average growth is about five points, and so we just saw tons and tons of leaps through that assessment specifically, but even in just like the classroom behavior and the classroom maturity level, I would say, and a lot of their mindsets coming into math at the beginning of the year, you know, we would open our notebook and you'd hear like, ah, <laughs> and now that it's a little bit more, They're it's a little bit more approachable and they feel a little bit more sure of themselves about it. So we've seen a lot of growth, not only on the numbers side of it, but definitely on the on the social side of it, on the emotional side of it. Like she was saying, their confidence growth has been has been
3: huge too. Yeah. And we see that growth not just in our like special education students, it's throughout our whole classroom. So Gen Ed students are also growing just as much as those SPED students are. And um, one thing like she was talking about with just like the maturity and confidence we're seeing that academically like growth we have one of our one of our traditionally she's probably a lower student in a class I'm pretty sure she was in resource like all throughout elementary she was teaching in our classroom one of our higher students how to do the problem and that was just amazing to see from her so you we know, were
4: super proud
1: in that moment yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah
4: it's been huge I was just going to ask about the support because you mentioned you had you know the support wishing everybody had two teachers in the classroom
0: mm-hmm. and
4: so you do definitely have the tremendous support required and necessary and needed in order to to make this successful can you mention a little bit about uh, can you talk a little bit
2: about that so our support from our from the admin level has been really great you know they come to us and Ask us what we need and ask us how it's going. And and they've also been really good. I know, and there's been some situations where they've had to come in and mediate, you know, which is a really good role for them to take on as well in some um, professional relationships. You know, it needs mending and someone needs to step in and do it. And they've been great with that. They've also come to us, like I was mentioning earlier, where we had some feedback about we want to be able to have the ability to take a smogger to a different classroom and be able to give them more focused, intensive support or spiraling or whatever they need and they were really great about hearing that feedback and getting together and coming back to us with a solution so they've been really on an admin level it's been really great of getting what we need and being heard and um, sometimes i feel like that's hard you know you can say something over and over and over but it just might not hit the right ears and it feels like we we got some feedback and Got something delivered from it. So, on an admin level, they've they've definitely been making sure that whatever we need, we get, and we haven't had to go out of our way very much to ask for what we need. You know, they're they're coming to us, checking in on us, and anything we do feel like we need to say, we've been able to say and and see results. So. What have?
1: been the parents response or do the parents even know how about that
2: <laughs> i feel like most of the parents like
3: especially the general parents they don't know that like this is like a special education type of environment um uh, but like the the kids who do have like an IEP and are used to getting like pulled out for like a resource class, I think the parents are really happy with the results of like their kids are with their friends and they're not feeling isolated Mm -hmm. from everybody else or feeling like, oh, well, I have to go to a class where um, I feel dumb, like they're with everybody else who's doing sixth grade math. Mm -hmm. And I think that just makes them feel even more included in this environment. So we haven't heard anything negative from parents at least <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's we have good. gotten good feedback from mm. from a couple of parents who are very used to you know art meetings and hearing from special ed teachers and things like that and it's been overall pretty positive about kids getting what they need and you know seeing them do well in math and be happy in math when that's not been true in the past so right. we've re- we've heard some good stories from from these kids and their
1: parents that's
2: always the best kind of support is parents. Oh, right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So true. So is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about co-teaching, your approaches, your, just anything? This kind of your
4: words of advice. advice. How about
1: that?
2: We were talking about that right before we got on about how when people hear co-teaching, you know, some want to turn away and run. But we really think co-teaching is very, very possible. It you just have to be very like communicative and somewhat optimistic. And you just have to to be flexible with it. You know, it, it's not, it's not crazy, it's not impossible. Like it can definitely happen. And if you're if you put your effort into it, it actually is super beneficial for you as a teacher, as a professional. It's so, so helpful for the kids, but also for you. So We were talking about that before. Is like, we just want people to know, like, you can do it. (laughs) Promise. (laughs) It sounds crazy or scary, but. It is possible. But
3: I think my biggest word of advice is just communication is key. So communicate with your partner. If you need something from your partner, you need to tell them. They're not just going to know like they can't read, my she can't read my mind. I can't read hers. Yeah. Like you have to communicate with each other, just like you would communicate with anybody else about your needs. So that's right. the biggest thing I think that needs to happen. I think also just being on like the same page of what the core values of that classroom are. I think that is the most important thing you need to be on the same page with. You can have a different teaching style from each other, that doesn't matter. It's actually probably beneficial for the kids to hear it two different ways, but as long, like you need to have the same goal in mind. So that's my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. Okay, yeah.
1: let me ask you this question. I was gonna wrap it up, then another question came to mind, but we'll <laughs> wrap it up soon. <laughs> is that thinking about just yourself personally, for your stress level, do you feel with this relationship you're co-teaching, if you you know, and comparing it to when you were just teaching alone, do you think your stress level is lower?
2: Yes. About <laughs>
1: That was a quick yes. No, I
2: don't even have to think twice about it. It's so, it's so, so, so different from teaching on your own. And I know, like she was saying, there's a lot of teachers who are so they would just rather do it alone or they'd rather be in control of it all. But once you give up a little bit of that, it can make your job so, so, so much easier on you, not in like, a, oh, I don't have to work as much way, but just on, you know, there's so much shared responsibility. And like she was saying, we have a shared goal. And when there's two people working towards a goal, it feels like you get there twice as fast. And so, I mean, coming from a, a third grade, you know, classroom where I'm by myself, a bunch of eight-year-olds all day and then now being in a co-teach math class in sixth grade like jumping from being on your own island to co-teaching like I would promote it to any and everybody I think I think it's great and like it doesn't come naturally to everybody you know when you meet your co-teacher you do have to kind of communicate and talk about you know serious stuff like what is your vision for the class what's your goals for the class can't just jump in and start you know From the first day of school, get on the same page, but it's it's so worth it. I think the stress level for me, and I I, I'm speaking for me solely. (laughs) I guess I can't speak too much for her, but the stress level for me, it's not only cut in half; it's cut in half and half and half.
1: Okay, (laughs) so so,
2: um, for me, I've
3: actually never taught by myself. I've always taught in a co-teach setting, but I will say. My stress level is a lot less this year because I have a great partner. So okay. like partnerships, they they're not, they are not—they don't always work. So we're super lucky because we do get along. We have the same vision. We have the same ideas of how this is going to work. But that's not always the case. I've had partners in the past where we weren't always aligned on how we wanted the classroom to run. And that can also be stressful. So mm-hmm, but- like it's not a we're, we've said a lot of good things about this and it's a great like opportunity and opportunity for the kids, but it is challenging. And if, if you have like a personality clash, it's going to be difficult. So, but you just have to like, kind of put your want to decide and do what's best for those kids because it's at the end of the day it's not about you it's about those kids and what those kids are learning so
4: so once you learn to let go yep. that's the biggest <laughs> thing ever yes. once you learn to let go let it go. actually is less stress, less stress. but yes. you've got to go yes. through the stress of learning how to let go yeah at yes.
2: least yes. at least some so you've so gotta like let that. go at least some. <laughs> and
1: also- i love it yeah, and also, fine. You're right. It is the partnership because I mm-hmm. I did some co-teaching and inclusion support, and yeah, there were times everything worked well, and those mm-hmm. times like, okay, I'm I'm ready for this to end.
0: <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah.
1: so yes, definitely understand both both perspectives. Yeah. But you're right; it does benefit the kids. You know, we know that to be true. It and is ultimately about the kids. Yeah, always mm-hmm. uh, Jen, do you have anything else? No, I'm great.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we've got some great information. I think we had, it, I think this was just awesome just to learn about co-teaching and how the relationship can work with the right partnership, the right relationship with right, the right people doing it and just making sure that you understand that in order to make this work, we're both gonna have to give and take and we're both gonna have to put our students first and, and we're gonna have to consider what is best these kiddos? What skills are they lacking instead of what labels they wear? And Mm -hmm. I think you guys covered that all very well for us today. And I think our listeners are definitely going to appreciate, you know, hearing about co-teaching from someone who is doing co-teaching and actually doing that in the classrooms.
1: John, tell everyone how they can continue to elevate the conversation about special education in Texas.
0: You got it, Pam. They can find us on Twitter Facebook, and Instagram at SpedTalk2020, because in these disconnected times, connecting with others has never been so important. Now more than ever, it takes courage to create culture and kindness to keep us connected. If you enjoyed this episode of SpedTalk, be sure to share it with a friend, because information should always flow through us, not to us. We couldn't do this without you, our listeners, and we need your help sharing the amazing transformation occurring in special education. Together, we can change the trajectory of learning opportunities in Texas for students with disabilities. If you have ideas, information, or resources that you think we should share on an upcoming episode of Sped Talk, let us know at Sped Talk 2020 on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And be sure to like our page while you're there. Oh, yeah, and if you get a chance, please consider giving us a positive review on the podcast platform that you listen to Sped Talk. And in the moment and the moment is the future